0: paper since 1971. Bonus time to Ben Jarowski show as I speak Thursday, June 2nd, 2022 is uh, the date. Uh, here's a headline from the New York times, the uh, New York times, man, I'm smiling when I say this, They like to say they're above it all. Follow the news, hard news, real news, real news, important news in the world. Well, here's a front page headline in today's New York Times. My uh, distinguished guest is already smiling because I think she knows which headline I'm going to be reading from the paper of record, the New York Times. Her defamed Depp in abuse claim, jury fine. Man, there are some crazy people in this country, (laughs) including the people on that jury. Uh, (laughs) That would be Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, not the people in the jury. They're a little crazy themselves. Uh, Folks, I need to have some serious culture discussion. I need to know where we're going as a culture, like our obsessions, how we view the world. And there's one person I know in the city of Chicago who shares my passion, my interest in this subject. One of the few people, I might add, who will admit it. The rest of them are like, oh, I'm so above that conversation. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not even going to deign to talk about it. Uh, Without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce yourself. We're going to take the deep dive and all the insane world of culture in America in the year 2022. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Romana Hussein. I'm an editorial board member and occasional, occasional columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times.
0: I'm striking the word occasional from that. She's a columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, a damn good one. In my opinion, she should be uh, writing uh, at least three times a week uh, columns for the Chicago Sun-Times. But I don't run the Chicago Sun-Times, okay? So I'm just a podcaster in my attic. Uh, Ramana, you and I share, uh, a deep and abiding, uh, love and obsession with culture in America. Uh, we don't run from it. We don't hide from it. We don't pretend we don't. Uh, we're constantly sending each other <laughs> texts with updates of what Kim Kardashian is up to. Kanye West is up to, uh, and in this case, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, which by the way, I owe everything I did not even begin to understand the cultural phenomena that Gwyneth Paltrow is. How insane people are for having so much love for her. Just saying it, people of America. Uh, We'll get into Gwyneth. She made the news as well. Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, uh, he tried to sue her for libel or slander in England. Got thrown out of court. uh, Did it again. Sued her again in the United States and found some jurors in the state of Virginia to agree that somehow or other she had slandered him. I I look at this and I think uh, everybody has lost their freaking minds. What is sort of your general reaction uh, to the verdict that went down yesterday uh, in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard uh, lawsuit?
1: One thing I have to say is just as someone who's covered the criminal courthouse, I do think that, um, I am. I am looking at it from someone who's been reading snippets and has my own opinion about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, I always try to refrain from making like absolute commentary unless I've sat through the trial or I've read what happened in the trial day to day because I can't make a judgment. You know, some people will like never follow what happened in a case and when someone's acquitted or. Uh, you know, convicted of a crime, they're like all angry. And I'm like, well, did you listen to the case at all? Or did you listen to the, you know, evidence that they had? So, you know, obviously, this is a very sensitive topic. Um, You know, a lot of domestic violence um, survivors have said that, you know, this has definitely triggered them. Um, I don't think there's, at least in my mind, there's no doubt that Johnny Depp had abused Amber Heard. Now, that's not saying that Amber Heard didn't you know, ever strike out at Johnny Depp physically. Um, Somebody had a good point on Twitter. I saw something that said that you could be a victim and a perpetrator. They can both happen at the same time. Like you could be someone that, you know, is part of the whole domestic violence, but is also a victim. So I don't think Johnny Depp is... A hero in all of this. Um, I know Amber Heard said that, you know, she feels like this is a big setback for women. She put out a statement after um, the verdict yesterday. So he got, I think, $10 million in compensatory damages and, ten, and $5 million in punitive damages. And she got $2 million um, uh, from the jury, but it wasn't punitive damages. Uh, it was compensatory. But a lot of people felt you know, a lot of, a lot of one of the interesting things is a lot of people on the right suddenly became Johnny Depp fans. And I don't know if you saw, but Kyle Rittenhouse tweeted about it. And he was just like, you know, saying he knows how Johnny Depp feels being vindicated. I forgot the exact words, but, you know, so this is obviously, um, you know, t- there's a lot of sensitivity involved. So I'm just saying that I... I I don't think Johnny Depp's like, you know, we've talked about this and you brought it up. Like Johnny Depp is not anywhere near the hero that some people are making him out to be during the trial. Um, it turned out that he had sent up text messages to someone where he basically talked about um, having sex with Amber Heard's corpse, burn corpse to make sure that she was dead, like really graphic stuff that he said about her. Um, and it was just really misogynistic. And it, to me, very abusive verbally abusive it just it just it, he just rubbed me the wrong way so that's just my opinion I don't think you know I'm not shocked a lot of people said you know I was reading you know what people were saying on Twitter a lot of people were upset about it um a lot of people were saying Amber Heard just didn't come off as credible and like I said again I did not watch the court to court this was a televised too by the way so you could have watched it but I didn't watch every day I didn't pay attention every day. So, you know, maybe people didn't find her, her credible, but I don't know. I just, I just feel like, um, I don't think Johnny Depp is a hero. And a lot of people are making him out to be this hero where he's like a total, completely innocent and, you know, never did anything, never hurt anybody. And, you know, he had, he had former girlfriends, including Kate Moss, who he famously dated in the nineties, um, testify in his, in his defense. So, you know, he had women saying that he never touched them when they were dating yeah. and was never abusive. And, uh, you know, people probably, the jury probably bought that. So, uh, you know, maybe one day I'll go back and read the day-to-day stuff. I mean, this yeah. this trial lasted about six to seven weeks. So this was a long case. And one of the things I learned as a journalism student is that libel cases are very, very hard to prove. Um, and very few people actually win libel cases. So this was... I think this was kind of uh, something that we haven't seen in a long time. And because this involved like this major superstar, Johnny Depp, and Amber Heard is definitely, you know, someone who's famous too, but not as nowhere near as famous as Johnny Depp was or has been or is. I think this is the first time we've seen something like this. So I don't know. I, th- I don't think this is the last we're hearing about this. We're going to um, probably hear from both of these actors in the future about this case specifically. So I, I know we'll be talking about this again, Ben.
0: Yeah, I, I did not know. I was not aware until you just told me about the Kyle Rittenhouse connection. You saw my jaw dropped. Uh, and this gets into the larger issue of culture and the connection and the po- politics, politicalization of culture and how it plays out politically. Uh, how for some reason or another, Johnny Depp, because he's the man, uh, is uh, embraced by MAGA because I guess it sort of fit, fits their uh, their general narrative, which is that there are no victims in America uh, when it comes to like uh, women being abused by men or uh, blacks being abused by whites or uh, Latinos being abused by the system. That that's all made up. That's their, kind of their larger narrative. So uh, I guess this would fit into that larger narrative, and as such. Uh, they would uh, be on Johnny Depp's side as a knee-jerk reaction, which is yeah. pretty astounding. I yeah, think. I, should,
1: uh, I should read you what he tweeted. This is uh, a day ago. I, I just got on his Twitter account. So he quoted Johnny Depp. This is what Johnny Depp said. He said, the jury gave me my life back. Truth never perishes. That's what Johnny Depp said. And then after he quoted Johnny Depp, Kyle Rittenhouse tweets, I felt that. Congratulations to Johnny and his team on his defamation suit. So, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just pointing that out. I, I saw it last night, and so I, I'm just saying that all these right-wingers are suddenly big Johnny Depp fans, and, including Kyle Rittenhouse.
0: That's who, killed, who, killed, who
1: killed people? Who killed and injured people? Yes.
0: Killed two people in, uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Got off. Uh, and somehow or other, he's the victim. I got my life back. You see what I'm saying? They make themselves to be the victims. So, very bizarre. I don't know. I. I have a hard time it's such a wealthy country we are romana there's so much waste in our country it's one of my pet themes so like we have enough money in our country to have this six month long trial of these celebrities you know agonizing using everyone like they're therapists uh and then there's enough wealth in this country where the jury just says okay uh rich movie star lady give rich movie star guy 10 million dollars rich movie star guy you give rich movie star lady 2 million i'm like they'll make a movie make all that money back all you suckers and saps who pay for the tickets myself included i've seen a lot of johnny depp movies in my life and it's just it i don't know it you know there's a part of me that's the child of uh of uh depression parents like i can't believe that there's just so much waste in our, uh, our society. That's kind of how I view it. You know what I mean? Like what a waste of money and time and energy. That's kind of how I view it. your thoughts.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I am a child of Indian immigrants and my daddy, my dad came from a really, really poor background. So, um, just going to India and just seeing what people, a lot of people don't have, it's, it just, it's always made me more, um, aware of how wasteful Americans are. I told you that, um, you know, just the the discussion about the vaccines in this country and how so many people don't want to get vaccines and how many vaccines are wasted. It just makes me sad when we have all this access to, you know, healthcare. care. Not I'm not saying it's always fair or equitable, but it's just like these vaccines are being given out and nobody wants them. And we end up dumping them. And there's so many countries across the world where people are trying to get the vaccine and they can't and in places like India, um, you know, you don't have plate you don't have freezers where you can store these vaccines. So, you know, people are, aren't are getting the vaccines or aren't getting the right kinds of vaccines or they're old or it's too hot. And so, yeah, I always look at Americans and I, I told you, I, I, I just, I am always like, I was just disturbed that Americans had to be bribed by pot and pizza and money to get a vaccine. And and it it just kind of like I don't know. I know some people think it's like fine, but when you're exposed to other parts of the world where the average person doesn't have access to a lot of things Americans do and take for granted, it does it does make you kind of cringe. And you know, I that's one of the reasons I never waste food. Like whenever I see people like take a plate of food and dump it in the garbage, it it's like a total pet peeve because I'm like okay, can't you just like put it in a Tupperware or a container and just eat it the next day? Like that, it does bother me. And, I, and that's one of the things that's really funny. Um, I always tell Mick, you know, he's all about conserving. Mick is my husband, as people know. He's all about conserving in the environment. And we always joke that, um, you know, us Indians always joke that white people throw away things so quick. They think everything's like bad. And I always told him, I'm like, Hey, things can last a lot longer, even after they say they're expired. Trust me. So I always tell my it has to pass a smell test. So if it smells bad and it's in the refrigerator, then you dump it. But the, or, has, <laughs> or has green fungus growing on it, then you dump it. But if it's only been there for a week, you can still eat it. So I, I'd like um, to say I made a change in someone's lifestyle there.
0: So I'm now going to introduce you to the world of growing up with uh, uh, dep- d- depression kids. And made my parents rest in peace. They both passed on. Uh, and they just couldn't believe me. I, their worldview, they were shocked. They look at the, what, the remnants of the chicken uh, on uh, my plate. And I, like, there's still chicken on those bones. You didn't eat those. You didn't eat all the chicken on the bones. And they, like, you should see the bones they go through, Ramana you know what i'm saying it was like every piece of chicken was valuable when you were really poor in the depression and as a child a, a boomer and a child of uh of middle-class america sheltered middle-class america i couldn't comprehend that so i hear you okay you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> no no no, i totally hear you and it's like like my dad might da- i mean i i i'm someone that grew up you know north shore adjacent so i'm not going to say that i'm not spoiled i mean my dad would look at the shoes that me and my younger sister would have. And we tell, sometimes he'd find out how much our shoes cost. And my dad, my, my dad didn't, didn't, my dad actually didn't have shoes growing up. And I believe that. I mean, when he said it, I've seen where he grew up. And so he, he was like, I cannot believe how many shoes you guys have. And he's like, you know, I didn't have any shoes when I was a kid. And my dad actually did like dressing up and stuff like that. He did like clothes and things like that. But he, I'm sure he looked at us and thought we were, spoiled brats which he did say once or twice in his lifetime so yeah I I understand that like I I mean my parents would always be like you know finish the food on your plate you know people don't have this and you know they would always tell us how you know my mom grew up middle class in India and she said there was no like fruits and vegetables like it wasn't a, a thing that most the average Indian person ate so she always like she's like you guys remind me of the rich cousins that we would have and would just be like, put their face down when they'd get fruit and we'd be like, oh my God, how could they not want to eat that? So, so yeah, I, 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 I know you were raised in a different household and with different circumstances, but it's, it's similar in that way. My, my, my parent, my dad actually, you know, a lot of people's parents came from like well-to-do backgrounds. My dad came from, basically came from an impoverished background. So, you know, he was always telling us that, you know, we shouldn't waste and and was always kind of surprised and perplexed by by the way we lived compared to how he lived.
0: All right, so you've given me a perfect transition into uh, the next thing I want to discuss, which is this new, uh, what is it, uh, like a nine-step skincare product that Kim Kardashian is putting out for $630. Now, my father could not, ladies and gentlemen, now I know I'm doing a lot of man, the baby boomer talk here about... Uh, uh, depression parents, but my, my father could not understand why anybody from my generation, this go back to the seventies, would want to buy Converse All-Stars. Converse All-Stars was the shoe of my dream when I was about 12, 13, 14 years old. I just wanted All-Stars so bad. I thought they were the coolest looking shoe in the world. And in my mind's eye, I was a great basketball player, even though I'm a very mediocre basketball player I've been my whole life. And so uh, my father would say, this is a complete and total waste of money. There's no difference whatsoever. You're paying for advertising and PF flyers are just as good. PF flyers, I like could knock down. I don't know if they make them anymore. And so I could never get to Converse <laughs> until like, I finally got a job and I bought my own all stars. And he'd be like, oh, you can't tell me this is any better than a PF flyer. Like, I thought you would have stock in a company or something. So I got all that in me, uh, Romano. When I read this story to Kim Kardashian, it's come out with a product line. You got to help me out here. I sent you the article to read it. $630. And you know what's funny? This is, again, my utter ignorance. I was reading it to my wife who's in the beauty business. She knew all the products. That were in- <laughs> She goes, oh, yeah, that's blah, 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 blah. And that's blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, don't I feel stupid? I don't know any of these products. I know Ramana is saying knows all these products as well. Help me out, Ramana. You're a Kim Kardashian expert. What's the appeal? $630 for the nine-step skin care routine. Go ahead.
1: Well, first of all, I have to say that my version of wanting, like, my my the shoe that I really wanted was a pair of canvas Nikes in the 80s. But my parents did get them for me. But they, you know, being immigrant parents, they did not understand the need for an Izod shirt. They got me like one, my mom got me one Izod shirt, and I'm like, I want more. And she's like, No, one's enough. It's too expensive. And she'd always tell me she could sew me whatever you know i wanted so um yeah i understand your pain because i i would be tell my parents i needed something and my parents thought the nike's were really expensive and you know they got a little more lax as we grew older my brother got his air jordans when he wanted them so they kind of understood but they didn't understand all of it so i i totally understand your pain but my parents would say the same thing like if i said i wanted a pair of levi's my dad would be like just go to sears and get you know, the jeans they have there. And my first pair of jeans, of course, were tough skins for from Sears. And my parents were like, so what? They're jeans. That's all you need. Right. Doesn't matter. They didn't understand, you know, they're they're you know, now that they've like lived with us for all these years, they realize like, you know, what's cool and what's not cool. So there are some things that I will spend a lot of money on. Um, I, I admit I do have, you know, I am a child of immigrants, but I also grew up in the northern suburb of Chicago. So I do have some of that taste. I do have some of that uh, North Shore kind of taste, I admit. But there's some things I'll pay a lot of money for, and there's some things I won't. I will not pay that much money for a skincare line. And I did know a lot of that stuff that you know, was in her skincare line. I mean, first of all, I do have to tell you that there are face creams that just like one face cream that can cost up to 300 to $400. And this isn't like a 19 step. It's just like one cream. There's this one moisturizing cream, which I'm sure your wife Pam knows called La Mer. And uh, some of the bigger jars can cost up to $360 to $545, like depending how big the jar is. So I'm just letting you know that, um, you know, skincare and makeup can be really really expensive and a lot of times you are definitely paying for the packaging i can tell you that i i look for sales when it comes to like designer makeup i i don't want to pay full price but sometimes if it's a lot different then i'll buy it otherwise i'll just get the cheap drugstore brand so like when it comes to skin creams i'm not going to do something that like a 19 step that's just too much i don't have that much time to, to like time before i go to sleep in the night like I already add, added flossing to my like nighttime regimen, which I didn't do before, and Mick guilted me into doing so, um, and my dentist. So I started doing that. But I, I do probably put more stuff on my face when before I go to sleep than I'd like to admit. I wash my face, then I put like eye cream on, then I put night cream on, then I put um, this kind of like this um, one of the things that Kim Kim said. I think it's some sort of gel. And then before, and then I put argon oil in my face. So like I have four different things on my face before I go to sleep. Mick thinks it's Vaseline, but I'm like, <laughs> it's not Vaseline. <laughs> I'm like, it's not Vaseline. So I would not, ne- I personally would never pay $635 for a 19 step skincare regimen. And plus I, okay. As much as I watch the Kardashians, I don't want to buy their, any of their products. Cause a lot of times they just put their slap their name on these products and they're not necessarily that good. I mean, if it's a company that has like a reputation, like there's a lot of um, Asian high end Asian brand companies and they've been in existence for a long time, like Shiseido, And I think the skin cream that I just mentioned, La Mer, I, 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 think that's European, but I'm not sure. But they actually have a reputation. I'm just not going to buy something just because Kim Kardashian put her name on it. I mean, her sister started a makeup line. Um, She became a billionaire from it. But everybody says her makeup line just kind of copies another makeup line. It's kind of uses the same color palette. A lot of these um, actors, when they become big, they start a makeup line because, you know, a lot of these entrepreneurs... You know, that run these companies think that if they slap their, this person's name on it, it'll sell a lot. And it, it probably will, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good product. And the Kardashians have been putting out products for a long time and they've been making like millions and millions of dollars. And I don't think just because Kim's name's on it, it's going to be great. I mean, her husband put out a fashion line and I don't know if you saw his Kanye's fashion line, but it's not that great. I don't know if you saw his Yeezy shoe lines. And I can tell you that the Converse All-Star are cooler than any of his shoes that I think. So, I don't know. I wouldn't pay that much for her.
0: I wouldn't pay. All right. So, that word, getting into Kanye West, which I find a a fascinating obsession that our culture has with Kanye West uh, and perplexing uh, to me because put aside the music of Kanye West, which is one thing. Put aside uh, the fashion and the look of Kanye West, uh, which is another thing the thing i know most is politics and the politics of kanye west are at best uh really twisted and at worst like filled with self-hatred so i as a political force i think kanye west is a frightening thing in so many ways. He, Kanye West was the man that the Republicans wanted to put on the ballot, his name on the ballot in Michigan to divert votes from Trump, excuse me, from Biden so Trump could win Michigan. And when that was unsuccessful, then they just tried to throw out all or as many of the black votes from the Detroit as they could. I just think Kanye West fans should just kind of think about that correlation there. But as a, 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 a as a, a cultural icon, I I mean, he's phenomenal. He just cut a deal. I don't know if you saw this with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown plays for the Boston Celtics. Kanye West is now starting a agency where he will represent uh, wealthy uh, athletes. He's got Jay-Z's got one, so now he wants one. And Jalen Brown will be his first client. I'm like, "All right, Jalen Brown, if you think this is the guy to represent your financial fiduciary interests, knock yourself out. It's a free country.
1: For, for uh, sure, for sure. Um, but I don't know his fashion. I'm not really enthralled by his fashion lines that he's put out. You should you should Google it after you're done. Look up Yeezy and look up his fashion line. And it's 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 like okay, I can get something better at the Gap. I mean, it's just so basic and bland. Does he have
0: a deal with the Gap?
1: He might. He might. <laughs> yeah. But, he has but I just I just feel like there's a lot of celebrities where they just look will make something really ugly. And then, you know, they just like they have their name attached to it. And then everybody's like, oh, okay. And it's different than a Jordan. I I know Air Jordans kind of look cool, you know, but Kanye West gym shoes. To me, they don't look that great. Would you
0: rather have Kanye West gym shoes or Converse All-Stars right now?
1: Oh, I already have a pair. I grew grew up with a pair of Converse All-Stars. They're not the greatest walking shoes, I have to tell you. I actually have a pair of velvet ones right now. They have their velvet and they're kind of like, they have like silver, um, they're embellished with with silver beads. So I do have Converse. I mean, I'm from, I'm a Gen Gen Xer. So all of us like loved Converse growing up. I don't think they're the most comfortable shoe. That's one thing I learned growing up. Like they kind of hurt your feet, but no, I have the high tops. I I have a pair right now. There's so, you know, everybody in my family, I think has had Converse at some point. And so I understand that, but Not my dad, not my dad, not my dad or my mom, but I'm talking about like my, my, me and my siblings. I think we all had a pair of Converse. I had a black one for the longest time when I was in college. I mean, I can probably dig out a picture of me in college wearing my Converse all-star. I think Uh, I wear them all the time. And I have to tell you, so you were mentioning Kanye and, you know, politics. So Kim was called out, um, this week on the political front because she endorsed a candidate of Los Angeles who was, um. I guess he's been he's had policies that are, um, you know, bad for people in prison and homeless individuals. And she's been someone that's you know have gotten has gotten people out of uh, prison. So people were calling her a hypocrite. So she was she was trending on Twitter a couple of days ago, and it was because of her endorsement of this guy in LA, who people said it was basically. Um, MAGA, but a Democrat so so yeah, I know who so she, she yeah me, yeah so I'm just yeah. saying that you know these two these two are always gonna be they're always gonna be you know people are always gonna be intrigued by them and they're gonna be called out left and right I just don't like I said I admit I am someone who watches the show and I just can't look away I guess it's like a train wreck but but I don't really buy any of the Kardashians
0: products. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. There's a limit. Uh, and uh, somewhere from the grave, my father was saying, wise decision. <laughs> uh, I, you know, though he's still, by the way, I love converse owners. I can't wear them. They're uh, for old people's feet. They're terrible. There's no support. And uh, so I had to walk. And so I live vicariously through all the people I see wearing converse. I'm like, oh man, love your sneakers. I'll be strangers in the street. Love those sneakers. Uh, Cause it's like, yeah, flashback to 1972, and I'm wearing my All Stars, uh, the Mike Laurie days, 1972. All right. Uh, speaking of people who have products that I can't believe uh, consumers purchase, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow has come out with a new candle, as I understand this. Well, I, well, go ahead.
1: This is gonna be. This is gonna. Sorry for your your listeners are probably like, we're way into the Kardashians today. But there was an episode that dropped on Hulu yesterday on the Kardashians. So there's three Kardashian sisters and there's two Jenners. Um, so the Kardashians is Kim. The oldest sister is Courtney, And the youngest one is Chloe. So Courtney is a sister who's all about wellness. And she is, her mindset is kind of very new agey, Gwyneth paltrow And so she has a company called Push. It's a wellness brand. And, you know, she she tries to tell everybody to eat healthier. And, you know, last week's episode, like so she's she married Travis Barker, who used to be a drummer for Blink 182, like in Italy a few days ago. So anyway, there's this whole like, you know, it's a reality show on Hulu now. They used to be on E! But so so she her and her like her and Travis Barker, like trying to have a baby. And they, you know, they they go to this new agey thing which is basically they're doing all the stuff that my grandma did to me in India and except they're paying a million dollars to get this stuff done. Like they're getting massaged and in India, like, you know, oil is a big deal and you know, they put it in her hair and you massage it. And of course they're like making it into this new agey thing. Then, you know, a Yoni is, is basically your vagina in Sanskrit. So she's basically sitting on something, getting her vagina steamed much like when a Paltrow does or tells people to do. That's something that Indian people don't do. But anyway, it's like, it, it just, if you're Indian, it's gonna make you laugh really hard watching this. Like, they're just like, oh, I'm putting oil on my body, it gets rid of all the bad vibes. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's just, it just feels good and it's good for your hair. Okay, calm down. But anyway, so um, this episode this week, all of a sudden, one of the Paltrow shows up and is meeting with Courtney Kardashian. And they're both talking about a collaboration. They actually call it a collab. And you know, they're they're talking about a candle that they're gonna make. And so it's like goop and poosh coming together so they could come and make a candle. And I think that the candles is, is called like, Does this smell like my pooshy or something like that? Which is which is a play on uh Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle, but anyway. It's like, you know, after this episode aired, you know, like people are writing about it. I sent you the New York Post article about it. And I was just like, oh, my God. I actually te- texted my younger sister. My older sister thinks we're crazy because we watch the Kardashians. But it was, my younger sister and I watch it. So I texted her. I'm like, did you see Gwyneth, Show- Gwyneth Paltrow showed up on the Kardashians? And my sister's like, ah, I stopped watching at some point. And she started watching something else. But I think she was continuing to watch it. But I was telling her about it. And then when you told me about Kim, I was like, oh, speaking of your best friend, your BFF or your girl when showed up on the show yesterday. So I bet this candle is going to be ridiculously priced and people are going to buy it. It's going to get sold out. And um, it, it's so ridiculous. And I'm, I have to admit, your um, listeners are probably like, what are they talking about? And I am I am embarrassed and I am ashamed for watching that episode and knowing this.
0: And, and I will tell you, this will probably be our highest listened to show uh, of the week. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I did not, uh, I must admit, I did not know the phenomenon that it's Gwyneth Paltrow until uh, one day, a Ramana blew my mind on it. And this was back in the old days, two years ago. She goes, Ben, you don't know about this. And then she just let me know. And ever since then, my eyes have been open. And, uh, I I realized that my father's influence has sunk in deep into me. Like, I didn't like it when he told me there's no difference between Converse All-Stars and P.F. Flyers. But I'm like, I'm with you, Dad, when it comes to Gwyneth Paltrow's candle, okay? Just go buy a candle at CVS for crying out loud. Yeah, I
1: yeah, I hear myself like now that I'm older, I feel like, you know, my dad I feel my kind of wish, you know, my dad passed away in 2006 and just when it comes to politics and the way he would talk about the United States, I mean, oh, I used to tell him that he was exaggerating and it was like overly sensitive. I basically sound like my dad now. When him and his friends would sit around and talk about how bad America is and how like, you know, we always do the wrong thing side of the wrong people and it's racist. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I, I, my mom always tells me, she goes, used to tell your dad and he was like overly sensitive. Now look, look at you. And so, yeah, I, I do feel like I'm, I'm becoming my parents as the, you know, as the years go by. So I understand what you're saying.
0: Well, there was a showdown, uh, that, uh, I saw it was all over the internet. Uh, it took place right after the shootings in Texas. And, uh, where I believe it was a British reporter. He definitely had a British accent confronted Senator Ted Cruz, uh, and was badgering him with questions, which I thought were legitimate questions as to why, uh, this kind of mass shootings essentially only take place in the United States.
1: I saw that too. And, he, and, and then yeah. Ted Cruz throws out American exceptionalism. Yes. You're just jealous. That's, that's basically what he was trying to convey. And the sad thing is a lot of people do believe that, you know, they're probably like, Oh, shut up. You know, you, in your accent, you know, just like, just admit it. You're just jealous. And that's what I think the problem is. A lot of Americans just think we're number one. That's all that matters. And you can't question anything. You, you're not patriotic if you question something or question the way we've done things.
0: So, yeah, I saw that video, too. Yeah, and uh, everything you said, ditto. Uh, You know, Ted Cruz twisting it into uh, he's going to defend America. Uh, And if that's the takeaway that Americans come away with, like we're the greatest country in the world, how dare anybody criticize us? Uh, I feel... We're just going to perpetuate the same old problems for the rest uh, of our existence. And I've told you about this um, essay I saw by the libertarian writer uh, who occasionally writes for the Sun-Times. He's not from Chicago. I don't know where he lives. His name is Jacob Sulem. And uh, his response uh, to uh, he's vigorously opposed to uh, government regulation of uh, the sale of. Guns, and weapons, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, and he, he notes, uh, comes out America, like 40 times as many children die in pool drownings each year than are killed with firearms in schools. And I'm like, that's your response to what went down in Texas? I, I, I find that, we talked about it with the, that insane uh, congressional candidate in uh, Florida who dismissed the shootings in Buffalo yeah, You know, well, you know, more Planned Parenthood has killed more black people than the shooter. And, and, and Ramana, I'm like, what is with MAGA? I, I do not understand the reactions they have to these shootings. They They just want to minimize them. They want to act as though they don't matter. And there's no long-term psychological consequence to 19 people in a classroom getting gunned down. It's. You know, it's, it's as bad as a swimming pool accident or something. Yeah. Help me out with this. No, I no. Figure it's, this out. I,
1: I can't either. I, I can't either. I mean, we had another mass shooting in Tulsa in, in a hospital. And the guy bought his AR-15 or whatever it was, the, the rifle, the day of the shooting. That's what, you know, police are saying. And it's and it's like nobody, none is none of this. None of these shootings, they're not raising alarm bells. And it, it's, it's just crazy. It, I don't know. I, I'm probably just at a loss of words as you are, Ben. I just think it's insane.
0: I really worry about where we're heading. But uh, all right, let's not end with total gloom and doom. Uh, let's end with, I don't know, a little hope and diversion. And uh reminder uh, recommendations every show uh, what she's watching. And, uh, I, um, I'm, I'm really into a show, but before I tell you about my show, tell me about yours.
1: Well, I started, uh, watching stranger things this week, which a lot of people from my generation have watched because it's set in the eighties and it's basically, um, you know, targeted towards people who are around my age in the 80s, when there were writers in the show as well. So that's like a flashback right there. Um, you know, I definitely think the show at this point, I think it's it's the fourth season right now, and the fifth season is going to be his last episode. Um, I think, you know, they definitely do play the whole nostalgia Thing really big for people who are my age, so sometimes it's like okay, it's wearing a little thin, and you're basically making this show just so we can reminisce. But it is, it is. I still, I still, I still am enjoying it. Um, I, I do think it's interesting because the last time they had the show on, it's been three years ago. So everybody, all the kids who were on the show definitely like shot up. All the kids who were like playing kids in junior high, and the kids who were in high school, like two of the actors, they actually date, and I don't know they look like they look older than like one of them plays the son of Winona Ryder. He looks older than Winona Ryder now. So I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know how he can play a high school student or Winona Ryder's son. So I'm watching that. And I have to tell you that, um, I just finished watching the second season of Russian doll, which I think you would like. Um, it was a show that Mick wanted to watch when it came out a few years ago. So the first season, I don't know if you know, the show's basically Natasha Leon's and it, and, she basically plays this character who dies and then she keeps living, repeating, repeating that um, like death. And she keeps trying to avoid it, but she keeps reliving it. And this season actually um, focuses on her, like kind of going back in time and seeing her mom and her grandma and, this season, I actually liked a lot better. So it's, it's kind of like about generational trauma. And it also touches upon her grandma, who was a Holocaust survivor and everything they lost and, you know, ties to her mom. So I thought it was a I thought it was a pretty good I thought it was a pretty good show. I think it's only going to be two seasons because the way it ended, it just seemed like, OK, this is the end. And I have to tell you, I don't know. If, I know you bought Pachinko as I had recommended to you. Mick started reading it. I finished it. And so um, I'm waiting for him to finish. So you guys are both part of my book club right now.
0: Oh, the it's, Ramana book club. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I'm waiting for him to finish so we can start that show. But so right now, um, I am watching Stranger Things and The Kardashians weekly, as as you as you can tell.
0: Well, I I'm I said i was never going to watch another episode of Stranger Things after whichever season it was. Yeah, it mixed
1: off. up watching with me too. Yeah,
0: I uh, so. Uh, And that was, by the way, not the strongest of recommendations uh, for Romana. So I don't think there's any reason why I would go back to it. (laughs) I will recommend uh, a show on uh, Netflix. Uh, No, it's on Prime uh, called The Outlaws. It's from BBC. And I love this show, Romana. I don't know how I found my way to it. Somebody told my wife and she said, told me. So we started watching it. Christopher Walken's in it uh, and a bunch of British actors. Including Stephen Merchant, who is one of the creators of the British Office, a very funny guy in his own right. He's Ricky Gervais's writing partner, and this I am loving the show. And I'm sometimes I watch this show and I go, "This is the kind of show that you like when you're old." You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if you know what like a young person would like this show, but I am thoroughly enjoying this show uh, immensely. It's a collection of people from all different backgrounds who run afoul of law and, for punishment, have to do community service. And so they uh, are part of this community service cleanup project and their lives entangle and all uh, chaos erupts from the connections and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I absolutely love watching Christopher Walken. I've come to like really appreciate the movie star that is Christopher Walken and just being Christopher Walken, if you follow what I'm saying. And,
1: uh, no, he definitely, so, I, he definitely has a persona.
0: Yes has a persona and it's on display so I urge you to watch it I'm just really curious what your reaction will be uh it's okay if you don't like it it's okay if you go Ben that's a show for ancient people and I'm not quite there yet
1: I was gonna say when you when you said oh shows that only old people like I was gonna say you mean that Steve Martin I mean Steve (laughs) Steve Martin Martin Short and Selena Gomez show I mean I remember you telling me that was something that old people just like but I think there's a lot of people my age who liked it too
0: Oh, my God. Oh, people love that show. Boomers love that show. I'm a huge... I love Steve Martin and Martin Short. Uh, but that show really ran out of steam, in my humble opinion. I remember. It was like Murder... Yeah, it was Murder and place.
1: Only in the Buildings or something yeah. like that. And, and then, I
0: think there's already a part two, which I have no intention to watch. So, so,
1: uh, so The Outlaws, is it only one season so far, or is it a couple seasons? They,
0: they, uh, they did the first season, and then um, they immediately have done a second season. And as I understand it, what happened was uh, COVID interrupted the um, production, so they essentially did back-to-back seasons because it's very popular in England. Yeah, and um, I'm loving it, man. Like, so tonight I will not be watching it because the uh, NBA finals starts, and you know I'll Uh, be watching that for the next.
1: So will so will Mick. I I I can always already predict that so will Mick. So. All right, sure. now let's
0: be, let's close by throwing Mick under the bus, our favorite thing to do, or at least my favorite thing to do. I love Mick Dunkey dearly. He's one of my oldest friends and a great writing partner. But he said something that was so, <laughs> I can't even get the words out <laughs> about Michigan, Mick's from Michigan. And this is my thing, uh, Romana. Like people come from Michigan and settle in Illinois and then have disparaging things about Illinois. Like, why don't you go back to Michigan? Okay. If you like it there so much. So well, explain to people what it, makes it. it. wasn't. Ahead.
1: It wasn't disparaging. Well, we actually have a lot of like, you know, a lot of fun things happening in the spring slash summer. We just had a, um, we're having a niece on Mick's side graduate from high school in Michigan, actually. So we're going this weekend. And one of my, <laughs> our nephews on my side, just graduated from eighth grade on Thursday. And so when I I mentioned to Mick, like about a month and a half ago that we're, you know, we're gonna have, we're gonna go to this high school, you know, middle school graduation, junior high graduation. Mick was like, eighth grade graduation, who does that? Because I never heard of that until I came to Chicago. Nobody does that, you know? And I was just like, well, we do, you're in Illinois now and we do that in Chicago. So, you know, he obviously went to the graduation, was, you know, fine to support, you know, our nephew, but, you know, he always has this like, oh, in Michigan thing. So, <laughs> and, Michigan. and, you know, and one of the things like, that's really funny because um, in Michigan and in places like Indiana, they, they have a word for people who are from Illinois. Well, they call them like FIPS, like effing Illinois person. And yeah, my niece says a lot of people in Wisconsin referred to, and then I'm like, why are you guys so obsessed with us? You know what I mean? Like, why does it matter? You know, that basically, I guess they're they're referring to people who come to Wisconsin and Michigan to vacation. They call us FIPs or whatever and or FIPs or whatever. And I'm like, we're not even, I, my whole thing is like, we don't even care about you guys. So, and you guys come to our state, by the way. So I don't know. I'm a Chicago, I'm a total like Chicago, Chicago area snob. So I just think that, I don't. I don't think. I don't think Michigan compares to Chicago, or anything. So that's just my opinion. And I'm not saying not Mick's hometown. I mean, I'm sure he loves his hometown. But I still think Chicago's way better.
0: I. I, uh, I never thought I would be uh, so parochial in, <laughs> uh, in defending Chicago as I was when you mentioned uh, mix. And the other thing is, I love eighth grade graduations. I haven't been to one in a while. I've uh, been to quite a few for various reasons. I just think well, your daughters,
1: also... your daughters probably graduated from. Oh grade, my right? God!
0: Yes, so. it was a very. was particularly when my younger daughter graduated, which meant that our family would not have any connection whatsoever to the grammar school that yeah. the, my kid went to. It was very moving for everybody in our family, and I still remember it uh as just a great day in our family's life and it was and then i've been to so many graduations of their friends you know because like friends just ahead of them and just below them in grade and it's just i love the graduations i love the songs that they sing i love the innocence of it exactly uh, and um because high school can be so traumatic uh and in so many ways and so there's just something very innocent, uh, in my humble opinion, about an eighth grade graduation. And they that boys to men song they sing, uh, which is actually a cover. It's so hard. Da, 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 yesterday. You know <laughs> I know. Song, I know. Right? I know what
1: song you're talking about. But it, but the funny thing is, when you're mentioning when you, when it was it was kind of emotional when your youngest daughter graduated, um, it was like that for my older sister because it was her third child, third and final child who was graduating from that school district and she's involved. She's like on the board. And she actually gave a speech at the graduation, of course, which made my brother laugh because she mentioned Whitney Houston's song, The Greatest Love of All, which was a theme of her, which was a theme of her high school graduation. my brother was texting us during her speech and he goes, I didn't know if she was such a big Whitney fan. So you know, we of course were teasing my sister about it too. But yeah, I think especially in the light of the shooting in Texas, Um, I am kind of getting uplifted and it is kind of emotional watching a lot of my friends, like children, children in our like in our relatives, like, you know, graduating from, you know, junior high and high school, just kind of seeing that innocence. You just kind of hope that they always stay innocent while they can. And so I just think I just I just think that um, what happened in Texas is just kind of raising that emotion about why these moments are so important and should be cherished, cherished.
0: Well put. That's a good a spot as I need to close it down. I just want to say the name of the song. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Uh, and it's, uh, I've heard that song sung, I would say, at least a dozen times at eighth grade graduation. And I always start crying when I hear it. And it's from a movie called, uh, this is way back when, um, uh, Cooley High from 1975. It's a song played at the funeral. So, anyway, great song. It's carried on. Uh, and a graduate, a grammar school. I call them grammar school, grammar school tradition. So, Mick, you know, I love you dearly. We see eye to eye in the parking meter deal, but we don't see eye to eye on eighth grade graduations. I love them. Uh, anyway, Ramana Hussein, thank you very much for taking the time, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon, okay? Thank you. All right. That's great, Ramana Hussein. I'm Ben Drofsky. Take care, everybody.